morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm not Deb Valentine. I'm Frank Diaz with your new sports business traffic and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. Well, a drive-by shooting in Newark, New Jersey last night left nine people with gunshot wounds. Police are still on the hunt for the shooter of a 20-year-old mother who was killed in the Upper East Side on Wednesday. President Biden doubled down on his blame of Russia for high gas prices in the United States. The Supreme Court dealt a major blow yesterday to climate action after a ruling restricts the EPA's ability to regulate emissions. The MTA took to new steps to move forward its implementation of a congestion pricing plan in the city. Nine people suffered gunshot wounds in a Newark drive-by shooting outside of a bodega on a Thursday night, according to Newark Acting Public Safety Director Raul Malave. Police rushed to the 200 block of Clinton Place after a shot spotter notification around 6.20 in the evening. We do have a vehicle that uh, is of interest at this point. It's a white Honda Pilot uh, stolen out of Jersey City, and we're following that lead. And uh, obviously, it's an ongoing investigation. And as soon as we get a little bit more, we'll get it out to you. When the emergency medical workers arrived, four adult victims were on the scene. They were taken to University Hospital for treatment. Authorities say another four adults and a 17-year-old victim went to Newark Beth Israel Medical Center for treatment on their own. All nine victims were in what officials described as stable condition, but the the exact extent of the injuries weren't clear. Officials not yet said what led up to the shooting. Well, police say the shooter remains on the loose in the death of a 20-year-old mother pushing her three-month-old child in a stroller in Manhattan's Upper East Side on Wednesday. Cops responding to a 911 call about shots fired near Lexington Avenue and 95th Street, East 95th Street, around 8.30 in the evening, found the woman unconscious. She was later taken to the hospital where she was pronounced dead. The NYPD identified her as Asia Johnson. Johnson was shot at point-blank range by someone dressed in all black. However, the baby wasn't hurt. Johnson's mother, Lisa DeSort, spoke to NBC4 by phone. Against all odds, my daughter graduated high school with merits, with the inspiration of becoming a pediatric nurse. She had a child early in her age, and she was the most wonderful mother that you can imagine. Top police officials said at a press conference late Wednesday they're looking into whether the gunman may have had a relationship with the victim or might be the child's father. But there was no immediate confirmation of that as of yesterday. Two senior NYPD officials later Thursday said they were looking to speak with the child's father about the case, but they have not yet identified him as a suspect at this point or rather at all. President Biden told reporters at a NATO summit in Spain on Thursday that drivers will have to endure high gas prices for, quote, as long as it takes for Ukraine to defeat Russia's invasion. During his 26-minute presser, Biden also reiterated his administration's stance that the spike in energy and food prices around the world, primarily the consequence of the Russian invasion. The reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia, 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 Russia. Biden's comments were quickly criticized by Republicans, with at least one lawmaker calling on the administration to 
make the U.S. energy independent. Biden went on to defend his administration's economic record, including by twice claiming incorrectly that inflation was lower in the U.S. than in other developed countries. The 8.6% annual U.S. inflation rate in May was the highest since 1981 and higher than the Eurozone's estimated monthly average of 8.1% and Canada's 7.7%, South Korea's 5.4%, and Japan's 2.5%. Well, the Supreme Court yesterday dealt a major blow to climate action by handcuffing the EPA's ability to regulate planet warming emissions from the country's power plants. It's a major loss, not only for the Biden administration's climate goals, but it also calls into question the future of federal-level climate action and puts even more pressure on Congress to act to reduce emissions. At the heart of Thursday's opinion was a question over the EPA's authority to regulate planet warming emissions from power plants, which are a huge contributor to the climate crisis. Former EPA Administrator Carol Browner reacted to the decision on CNN. It's devastating. I, you know, it is yet another example of the court's unwillingness to protect the health and safety of the American people from guns to abortion and now climate change. It is devastating. According to the EPA, around 25 percent of planet, planet warning, warming greenhouse gas emissions around the globe and in the U.S. come from generating electricity. Coal, the dirtiest fossil fuel, powers about 20 percent of U.S. electricity emissions from power production rose late last year. For the first time since 2014, an increase that was mainly driven by coal use. Well, the MTA's congestion pricing plan is moving forward once again after the agency was unexpectedly saddled with more than 400 follow-up questions from the federal officials back in March. At the agency's monthly board meeting this week, Chairman General Lieber confirmed that after more than three months of work, the MTA had answered all of the questions about how the environment might be impacted if charges it charges drivers a fee to enter Manhattan below 60th Street. And we're hoping that we lost no more than four to six weeks as a result of some of the difficulties in answering uh, all those uh, data requests. The environmental assessment is a key bureaucratic hurdle, and the MTA must complete it before implementing the nation's first congestion pricing program. Once the Federal Highway Administration approves the MTA's environmental assessment, the MTA still has a long way to go. It must conduct more public outreach, install devices to collect tolls, and set a price that will ultimately raise $1 billion a year in revenue. Let's take a look at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. It's going to be a hot one today, a sunny with a high near 92. Later tonight, we've got a chance of showers and thunderstorms later tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of 74. Saturday, some showers likely with possible thunderstorms, winds, and heavy rain with a high of 88 right now. 73 degrees and clear. Well, President Joe Biden on Thursday said he would support making an exception to the filibuster, the 60-vote threshold in the Senate needed to pass most legislation in order to codify abortion rights and the right to privacy through legislation passed by Congress. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States an overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. Despite Biden's newly announced support for eliminating the filibuster, his best bet in doing so would be next year, and only if Democrats gain at least two Senate seats and hold the House of Representatives. 
the president then clarified that he was also opening to changing the filibuster rules for the right to privacy. His comments Thursday mark the first time he's expressed total willingness to eliminate the filibuster specifically for abortion rights. The Senate currently doesn't have the 60 votes it needs to codify Roe versus Wade under current rules. Well, support from some of the Republican Party's biggest donors for a 2024 White House run by former President Donald Trump is dwindling a little bit this after damaging new details of his actions on January 6th last year were revealed at a hearing on Tuesday by the House Select Committee investigating the attack on the U.S. Capitol. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motion towards his clavicles. That was former Trump White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson. According to interviews with top GOP fundraisers, Republican financiers and their advisors have privately meeting since the committee started to release the initial findings of the probe in a series of public hearings earlier this month. Well, or excuse me, last month. Most of the people asked not to be named because they didn't want to provoke retribution from Trump or his allies. Trump hit back on Hutchinson's testimony in an interview with Newsmax. So it's a very sad thing that this is allowed to take place in our country, that somebody can just get there without cross-examination, with no Republicans on the committee, which I think was a mistake. I think we should have had Republicans on the committee. Jim Baxter and Jordan. I think they should do something. Is this going to go on forever? Trump has not publicly ruled out running for the White House again in two years after losing to President Biden in 2020. The Supreme Court ruled Thursday that the Biden administration properly ended a Trump-era policy forcing some U.S. asylum seekers to wait in Mexico. The justice's 5-4 decision for the administration came in a case about the Remain in Mexico policy that was under President Donald Trump. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the decision and was joined by fellow conservative Judge Brett Kavanaugh, as well as the court's three liberal justices, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and illegal. Elena Kagan. President Biden suspended the program on his first day in office in January of 2021. Both lower courts ordered it reinstated in response to a lawsuit from Republican-led Texas and Missouri. The current administration has sent far fewer people back to Mexico than did the Trump administration. The heart of the legal fight was about whether immigration authorities with far less detention capacity than needed had to send people to Mexico or whether they had the discretion under federal law to release asylum seekers into the United States while they awaited their hearings. Well, four migrants died yesterday and three other people were injured in Texas when their vehicle crashed while being chased by border agents, what authorities describe as another fatal human smuggling attempt during a tragic week near the U.S.-Mexico border. The crash happened in Encinal, a small town about 40 miles north of the border. Lieutenant Chris Olivares with the Texas Department of Public Safety said a Jeep carrying seven people was being pursued by Border Patrol agents when it crashed into the back of a tractor trailer on the interstate. This comes just a few days after officials found 53 migrants dead in San Antonio after they were trapped in a tractor trailer. Here's Chief Charles Hood of the San Antonio Fire Department. The patients that we saw were hot to the touch. They were suffering uh, from heat stroke, heat exhaustion. Uh, no signs of water in the vehicle. It was a refrigerated tractor trailer. 
but there was no uh, visible working AC unit on that rig. Olivares also said the driver was hospitalized in critical condition along with the two others. He said it was the second deadly smuggling attempt in 24 hours in South Texas after two migrants died in a car that was being pursued by authorities near the border city of La Jolla. I, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. I, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will administer justice that I will administer justice without respect to persons. Without respect to persons. Well, Ketanji Brown-Jackson marked a milestone in American representation Thursday when she was sworn in as the first black woman in history to sit on the nation's highest court, officially taking the title of justice. Chief Justice John Roberts, in a brief ceremony at the Supreme Court, administered the constitutional oath to Jackson and retiring Justice Stephen Breyer, who Jackson clerked for some 20 years ago, administered the judicial oath. Her husband, Dr. Patrick Jackson, held two Bibles, a family Bible and the Harlan Bible, a King James Bible donated to the Supreme Court in 1906, as Jackson smiled broadly and finished repeating the oaths. Roberts said at the ceremony, there will be a formal investiture in the fall, but the oaths Thursday will allow Jackson to undertake her duties, and she's apparently been anxious to get them without any further delay. Her joining the court also makes the first time four women will sit on the high court bench at the same time. 77 WBC time check, 515, heading over to my left shoulder, the amazing Justin Ellick with your sports report. Hey, Justin. Wow, the amazing. Thank you very much, Frank. That means a lot on this Friday morning. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. Most of, if not all, of Major League Baseball has spent the entire season up to this point trying to figure out how to beat New York baseball teams. The one exception, the Houston Astros, who over the course of nine straight games against the Yankees or Mets have gone a wildly impressive 7-2 and overall, their latest and final act in the stretch, coming in the way of a 2-1 to win against the Yankees last night in Houston. Alex Bregman hit a two-run double early that held up against a Yankees offense that sputtered against Houston starter Luis Garcia and subsequently the Astros bullpen the Yankees did out hit Houston but with none of their hits coming in high leverage situations they suffer the rare loss at the hands of their only legitimate competitor in the American League thus far New York will stay on the road following the loss as they're set to head to Cleveland for a weekend set against the Guardians game one we'll see ace Garrett Cole Cole toe the rubber against Cleveland's Aaron Savale. As for the Mets, they were off last night getting ready to welcome in the Texas Rangers for the weekend. Chris Bassett will get the ball this this evening against Texas right-hander Glenn Otto. First pitch set for 7.10 p.m. Eastern time. Big news starting to trickle out of the NBA offseason as well as Brooklyn Nets franchise star Kevin Durant has requested a trade from Brooklyn, his manager Rich Kleiman told ESPN yesterday. This request comes at a peculiar time indeed as Durant signed a four-year contract extension with the Nets that kicks in this week, meaning that any team that acquires KD will will know that they have the star locked up through 2026. Nets general manager Sean Marks is working with Durant and his team on finding a trade, Kleiman also told ESPN. Also breaking out of the New York basketball realm, free agent guard Jalen Brunson has agreed to a four-year, $104 million deal with the Knicks, his team told ESPN yesterday. The deal does include a player option on the final season, but at least for the next three years, Knicks fans can rest easy knowing they have their point guard. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. It's like New York basketball just can't get a break. How about that, huh? All right. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> you got it. Uh, let's look at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A little bit of a scorcher today. Sunny with a high near 92. You're going to see some sweat hanging out over there. Later tonight, we're going to have a chance of showers and thunderstorms, mostly cloudy with a low around 74. Saturday, 
More showers likely with possible thunderstorms, some gusty winds, and heavy rain. A high of 88 right now, 73 degrees and clear. Here's Frank Morano with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. The opening bell rings for the last time this morning before the long holiday weekend. Yesterday's trading session saw the S&P 500 close out its worst first half of the year in over half a century. The Dow Jones Industrial and S&P 500 both posted their worst quarter since the first quarter of 2020 at the start of the coronavirus pandemic. The Nasdaq was also down over 22% for this quarter, its worst since 2008. At Thursday's closing bell, the Dow Jones lost 253 points, the S&P 500 fell 33 points, and the Nasdaq dropped 149 points. Consumer spending dropped in May as food and fuel prices rose sharply, according to data released Thursday by the Commerce Department. Personal consumption expenditures, a measure of consumer spending, rose 0.2% in May, but fell 0.4% when adjusted for inflation. While personal incomes rose a half a percent in May, they fell 0.1% after adjusting for inflation. Hundreds of off-duty Delta Airlines pilots have joined picket lines at airports across the country Thursday to fight for better pay, retirement, job protections, and better schedules. According to the Airline Pilots Association, which represents 13,900 Delta pilots, off-duty pilots lined up at several Delta hubs, spanning from Los Angeles to New York, to protest protracted contract negotiations. Delta pilots haven't negotiated a new contract since 2016. Speaking of airplanes, the drama involving the potential airline merger between Spirit Airlines and Frontier Group will be stretched out for at least another week. Spirit pushed back a shareholder vote on Frontier's merger offer for the budget carrier until July 8th. Spirit Airlines has been the subject of a bidding war between Frontier Group and JetBlue Airwaves. I'm Frank Moreno. I'll be back Monday morning at 1 a.m. on 77 WABC. Taking a look at your futures, Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, all down about a fifth of a percent. Gold futures down about three quarters of a percent. Silver down about three percent. As expected, oil up about a percent and three quarters. The WABC Early News. Well, the U.S. Justice Department is investigating the NYPD's treatment of sex crime victims after concluding that there is significant justification to do so and after receiving reports of deficiencies for more than a decade, this according to prosecutors. Kristen Clark, Assistant Attorney General for the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division and two U.S. attorneys in New York have announced the probe in a release saying they'll thoroughly review the department's special victims division to gauge whether it engages in a pattern of gender-biased policing. This also comes as R&B singer R. Kelly was sentenced to 30 years in prison on sex trafficking crimes. U.S. Attorney uh, Brian Peace spoke after Kelly's trial. Today, the sentence shows that the witnesses reclaim control over their lives and over their futures. These are voices of mostly black and brown women and children that were heard and believed and for whom justice was finally achieved. Justice Department officials said they would be reaching out to community groups and the public to learn about their interactions with the division. They said that the probe will include a comprehensive review of the police department's policies, procedures, and training for investigations of sexual assault crimes by the unit, including how it interacts with survivors and witnesses and how it collects evidences and completes investigations. 
Well, the grandmother who fought fiercely to maintain custody of a seven-year-old girl who was killed last year said that the girl never should have been placed in the care of her mother. On Wednesday, 36-year-old Nevesia Jones and her 17-year-old son, Paul Fine Jr., were charged with murdering Jones's seven-year-old daughter, Julissa Baddies, in their Bronx apartment last August. Julissa's paternal grandmother, Yolanda Davis, had taken care of the girl for most of her short life and was locked in a bitter custody dispute with Jones, who regained custody of the child soon before her death, despite the girl's desperate pleas not to return. I fought hard all the time for my granddaughter. I fought many a day. I was attacked by caseworkers. But I say today that I am glad that there is justice now. Prosecutors say that Jalicia was viciously beaten and abused over a period of two days while in the care of Jones and Fine Jr. prior to her death on August 10th. Fine Jr. allegedly confessed to beating the girl all over her body and was additionally charged with sexually assaulting the girl, his half-sister. Well, lawmakers in Albany remain stalled in a special legislative session for gun revision, gun law revisions in New York. This in the wake of last week's Supreme Court ruling, which struck down New York State's concealed carry gun permit law as being unconstitutional. Governor Kathy Hochul said she wanted to move quickly to protect New Yorkers with new laws. I don't need I don't have to have a data point to point to to say that this is going to matter. All I know is I have a responsibility to the people of this state to have sensible gun safety laws. And this one was not devised by the Hochul administration. It comes out of an administration from 1908. I don't need a data point to make the case that I have a responsibility to protect the people of this state. Last week, Hochul unveiled her plan to revise the state's concealed carry permit law. Proposed items included 15 hours of required range training and background checks for those seeking permits. There's also a provision for an in-person permit requirement check in the store to buy ammunition and then a proposed list of sensitive public spaces that should be weapons-free. Government buildings, healthcare facilities, places where children gather, and public transportation. Private businesses would also be given an option to con- on concealed carry for their customers, but may be required to post a sign saying so. Well, New York City Mayor Eric Adams and New York City Chief Medical Examiner Dr. Jason Graham announced the formation of the first ever gun crimes unit at a public DNA crime laboratory in the country. The Office of the City Medical Examiner and DNA Gun Crimes Unit will focus exclusively on the testing and analysis of evidence from gun crimes and accelerate testing turnaround times to 30 days or less. This is meant to expedite the processing of gun crime cases in the criminal justice system. Here's Adams. But we do need help from Washington, from the state, from our criminal justice system. We have been clear on that. We're going to find this person that's guilty of this horrific crime. Funded by an investment of $2.5 million, the OCME DNA Gun Crimes Unit will hire and train 24 forensic scientists dedicated solely to the testing and analysis of evidence from gun crimes throughout the five boroughs. Funding will also support upgrades in laboratory management software, the purchase of new equipment and supplies. Well, a fleet of mobile testing sites rolling out across the city will provide New Yorkers with COVID-19 instant access to free antiviral medications. Mayor Eric Adams said in a press briefing that the city is opening more than 30 mobile test to treat sites this summer that will offer rapid COVID-19 testing. As we focus on these issues Uh, We were the epicenter of COVID pandemic at the start, but we're leading the way in prevention and mitigation. Uh, What we're doing here, other cities can look at and make the determination how they want to 
address COVID. New York City Test and Trace Corps Executive Director Dr. Ted Long at the briefing said that each of the units will have an on-site clinician who will be able to write prescriptions for the antiviral drug Paxlovid. Long says some of the units will collaborate with local pharmacies to fill the prescriptions while others will dole out Paxlovid directly. Mayor Adams says the units will allow the city to pinpoint areas that need support immediately, making access to treatment more equitable. The three initial mobile testing units will partner with and be set up outside two pharmacies in the Bronx and one in Queens. Your forecast on the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny today with a high near 92, a chance of late showers and thunderstorms, cloudy with a low of 74. Later tonight, some showers and likely, uh, excuse me, tomorrow, showers likely with some possible thunderstorms, winds and rain, high of 88. Well, known around the world as Napalm Girl, Kim Fuke was just nine years old when she was photographed running away after a napalm bomb struck her village in Vietnam in June of 1972. Fifty years later, Fuke has received her final round of treatment for the pain and scars she suffered that day. She spoke to NBC News, offering a message of peace. And I wish everyone learning how to live with love, hope, and forgiveness. And if everyone can learn to live like that, we don't need war at all. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.